0: morning I can do this right well let's take that off we'll get there in a second over to mouths we went to Psalm 145 Psalm 145 Psalm 145 in in our Psalms Psalm 145 is in book number five it is a psalm of praise and it's in a structure that we've not covered yet it's in acrostic so what do I mean by it's an acrostic so David wrote this song, and he wrote it so that every phrase starts with a letter in the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes in alphabetical order. So each line starts, so in the Hebrew alphabet, aleph is their A, so the first line starts with an aleph, and it ends, the last line ends with a Tav. their last letter is the T sound. So imagine trying to write a song song so if i tasked you here i want you to write a beautiful poem describing the character of god that's a task in and of itself and i want you to write it so we could sing it for church it's another task and i want you to write it so every phrase is in alphabetical order good luck on x and we'll probably start with zealous for z let's say That's what this psalm is. Every line starts with the next letter. It means masterful um, in its composition. Its theology is rich. It's deep. And so as we've done in the psalm, so if you're newer here, so for those cadets that weren't here last or for our WNL students that are back, welcome back. We're glad you guys are here. We've been singing these psalms, so we're going to do that today. So in Psalm 145, we're going to sing this psalm. The people that compose this, so if you see here on that link, you follow that link, and these people have taken all the psalms, they put them into meter, in a singable meter, and we're going to sing this psalm. You'll notice, so for our little ones out here, for our little ones out here, I want you to see, check to make sure that this is in alphabetical order. Find your A, B, C, so, because it will be from verse 1 all the way through verse 21, it'll be in alphabetical order. It's actually amazing how they put it all together for us in our English language so we're going to sing this to the tune of holy manna or known as brethren we have met to worship so we're going to sing this it's a little bit longer because it's a longer psalm but we're going to try to get through it today this is a ukulele by so shameless plug for ukulele guitar choir come over if you want to check some out i'd love to have you guys partake if you're 75 like i've never played an instrument this is for you you can do it so we're let's sing all my life psalm 145 all my life it
1: will exhort you All my life I will extol you Bless your name my God and King Blessing daily bring before you And your praise forever sing Can a mortal search your greatness The Lord's great and highly praise Day to day each generation Has your acts and works of praise Ever glorious is your splendor, on your works I'll meditate. For they'll tell of works most awesome, and I'll tell them you are great. Grant the memory of your goodness, righteousness shown from above. How the Lord gives grace and mercy, slow to anger, rich in love. One shall rejoice and bless you All your works shall give you praise Kingdom's glory they will speak of And your mighty power of praise Let the glory of your acts be made known To the sons of men Majesty and glory of your kingdom's reign Will never Ever will your reign diminish? Through each age it will remain. Over all your kingdom stretches everlasting your domain. Praise the Lord, His loving care upholds and lifts up all who fall. Quickly He will come to rescue. The Lord and loving to in all His ways. We know that He's near to all who call on Him and truth and praise. He fulfills the needs of all who fear Him and He hears their cry. Exalt the Lord's name, he watches o'er them from his throne on high. You who love him, he'll keep ever, but the wicked he'll destroy. Zealous for his praise, I'll speak. Let all flesh praise his name with joy. We made it. Good job.
0: A longer psalm but isn't it amazing how they put all these words together? It's an alphabetical order, it's a way to help you memorize the word, and that's how David wrote it here in Psalm 145. So let's look through the psalm. There is a ton, a ton in the psalm, and so we're going to focus on seven seven points here. There's a lot. We're going to fly through a lot of this. We're going to come back and look at three ways that we should be able to respond. But there's seven things about who God is. There's a lot of these times you'll see in the psalm, the Lord is, or just the Lord upholds, the Lord perseveres. You'll see a lot of these statements. We're just going to focus on those major statements in the psalm. First, the Lord is great. Look at verses 1 through 7. The Lord is great. A song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever and then our two memory verses we had for last month great is the lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works i will meditate they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and i will declare your greatness." They shall pour forth the fame of the abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. God is great, as David points out here in the text. God is great. And as we review, we'll kind of walk through some of these verses and to see what he says in verse number one. God is God, and he is also king. He's the sovereign on the throne. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Verse number three, the Lord is great. And we use this word sometimes, it's kind of lost its luster, that something is great. We even use it sarcastically, right? That's great. And what you mean by that is, that's not great. Right, that's great. But God is great, so he's great in size, he's great in scope, he's great in his work, so he's, he's so great in power, we use terms like omnipotent. He's everywhere. He's he's omnipresent. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He's great. So so God, as David says, He is great. In fact, he says in verse 3 that his greatness, what's the word he uses after that? His greatness is unsearchable. Trying to discover, like Lewis and Clark, the length and depth and breadth. Trying to map out the greatness of the Lord to everlasting endeavor. And there's no end, because there is no depth of his greatness. There's no ceiling to his greatness. There's no length of his greatness. It just goes on and on. So sometimes people ask, well, what on earth would we do in heaven for eternity, being with the Lord? Well, for one, if you just started the quest, let me just search out how great he is, that would take you all eternity, and you would never finish. Because every time you take a turn, he's greater still. Take a right, he, I can't believe it. Turn left, he's still here. I can't, this is amazing. There's no end to his greatness. Verse number four, God does work and his mighty acts. Think of the mighty acts of the Lord in the Bible or even in your own life. God actively works and he accomplishes mighty, awesome deeds. Verse five, David just starts adding more and more descriptors of who God is. God is majestic, again, does mighty deeds, However, David notes that God is not just majestic. How does he describe God's majesty? God's majesty, to David, it's kind of like this, but it's surrounded by this halo of glory. There's this majesty and then his glory, and then that's wrapped up in this bow of splendor. He's trying to think, how do we describe who God is? Well, He's majestic, he's beautiful, but how beautiful? It's like gloriously beautiful. He's splendidly gloriously beautiful. What words do we have? Toss it in there, and it'll stick. Because you just God's just amazing in scope. He's beyond our beauty and our comprehension, the glory of God, the splendor of God, the majesty of God as described by David here. It speaks of a beauty that we only hope to see. It's a horizon our eyes can't comprehend. It's a light so bright and so warm you dare not look, but you want to. It's just beyond our comprehension. In verse 6, we read of God's awesome deeds. And the awesome deeds of the Lord are fear inducing. In Mark 4, Jesus is in the boat with the disciples, and a storm comes. Many of you know this story. Storm comes, Jesus is in the bottom of the boat sleeping. All hands are on deck because they're taking on water. Everybody's in panic on top of the boat, and Jesus is down in the belly of the boat, calm as calm can be. Disciples go down to somebody, hey, all hands on deck. You too, pal. Jesus, don't you care? What are you doing? Jesus shakes off the old hard nap, sleep, comes up, and what does he do? He speaks to the winds and the waves. Peace be still. I don't know if he shouted it. I don't know if he whispered it. Didn't matter because the Creator was speaking. Peace be still. And then pfft, sheer silence. Winds. It's like you could skate on that water. What emotion. Filled the disciples after that wasn't joy wasn't gratitude thank you for saving us what was their emotion standing next to a god who even the winds and waves obeyed? what was the emotion that you read in mark 4 fear holy cats who are we standing next to this, that's not normal Notice they didn't jump out of the boat and swim for their life. They weren't afraid of him and what they would do to him, but they just recognized that's a power that demands respect. Oh, my word. Did you, he, and then it, like, who, who is this? Who is that? We're walking with him. Oh, he's God. His acts produce sometimes wonder, amazement, and fear. Who is this that works in this way? It is God Almighty. He is God. He is king. In verse 7, David, David speaks of God's abundant goodness and righteousness. God's goodness flows abundantly from his, fl- from his throne like a waterfall. And God's righteousness, his justice, he's just in all his ways he's good in all he does God's good and always right and we're just through the first seven verses like a second we see verse number eight the lord is gracious merciful patient and loving verse number eight the lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and our scripture reading today from exodus 34 walt read for us who god is Moses is on the mountain. God's going to describe, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pass by, I'm going to give you my name. This is how you should know me. So in Exodus 34, as we read earlier, we read verse number 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So how did God describe his name, who he was to Moses? Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Does that sound familiar to you? Look at verse number eight. David knew his Bible. He knew the word. And how does he describe God? As God describes himself, he is a God merciful and gracious. He is God slow to anger. He's patient. He is abounding in faithfulness and steadfast love. Not only does God show compassion, and extend mercy and grace, but he's also slow to anger with this sinful lot. Friend, he's patient with you. You ever feel like you're not going to make it, or you keep taking the left turn when you should have gone right, keep leaving the yellow brick road, and you wonder, is he just going to finally toss up his hands and be like, I'm done with you? I am done with you. You ever wonder if God would say that? You ever think that he probably should? Praise the Lord, that he describes himself. I am slow to anger. And I abound in steadfast love. Peter tells us later that it is the goodness of God. It's the fact that he's slow to anger. The fact that he waits so long that it's to cause us to repent. He did it the first time you sinned and squish you and smash you and send you into oblivion, into hell, into a life apart from him forever his kindness that we're still alive he's good he's merciful he's gracious he's slow to anger he abounds in steadfast love he will not quit loving you how do you know friend that he loves you for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish He loves you. Christian, once you know him, you have his love forever. Slow to anger, patient, grace, and mercy are yours forever and evermore because that is who he is. That's who he is. That's how he describes himself. David claims back and shouts back in song, yes, you are. You're that and more. We see also number three, the Lord is good. Look at verses nine through 13. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. You make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. David moves from reminding of God's explanation of who he is through showing us that what God has done and who he has been for all mankind, he is good to all. His mercy is over all. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us in Matthew five forty five that God allows the rain and the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. At the end of verse 11, we learn of God's power and his omnipotence. Verse 12 speaks of God's mighty deeds, but the focal point of verses 11 Through 13 is the kingdom of our god that's the focal point verse 3 through 11 through 13 david is the author he's the king of israel but he recognizes go back to verse 1 god is jehovah god is god and he is also king so david the king writes no 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 there is only one true king and is the king of kings and Lord of Lords, and His kingdom. So He's looking out at His kingdom. My kingdom, I'm thankful for, is great. This ain't nothing to what's coming, because His kingdom, we read, is glorious. Again, we have that same phraseology: this glorious splendor of God's kingdom in verse twelve. And we read, and our minds try to comprehend the beauty that awaits us in the age to come. So, if, if you want to know well, what it's going to look like, read the Book of Revelation and just be stunned in what's going to come. But beyond what it will look like, it's the God sitting in the middle of the throne, in the middle of the city, who's going to be shining bright, the light, wherever we look, we're just filled with His glory and splendor. David looks out at the people of Israel, disobedient people, and going, man, I long for the day. When God is rightly on the throne, all hearts are turned right. With our Savior forever and ever, basking in His glory. My kingdom? What are you talking about? This is nothing. His kingdom is forever and ever. His dominion will last forever. There is none like him. There is no kingdom like his, and there will be no reign like his. The Lord is good. Number four, the Lord upholds, verses 14 through 16. The Lord upholds all those who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The word upholds means not only to lift up, but to sustain. In, in the sports world, you've seen this, even if you're just a casual fan, where somebody comes and they have a bad ankle sprain or something happens bad to their leg, and what happens? The teammates come out, they lift them up, one grabs one arm, one grabs the other, right? And they, you see this guy hobbling off, being sustained by his teammates. Does that make sense? Lifted up and sustained. That picture gives you a little image of what God does for his own. He lifts them up and he sustains them. God upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. God not only lifts up the fallen, but he also generously gives. Verse 15, the eyes of all look to you. You give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. God opens up his hand, he satisfies the desire not just of you, but even the sparrows, he knows where they are. He knows when they fall. He knows what their needs are. He clothes the fields of the lilies. Will he not clothe you also? What's the answer? Yes. Yes and yes and amen. He gives generously, and He satisfies the desire of every living thing. Does that mean God gives you everything that you desire? What's the answer? No. Praise the Lord, He doesn't, because He'd be in a world of hurt if He did. So, what does it mean? One author said that God He made us, shaping our inclinations and appetites, and He provides the satisfaction for the longings He built into our hearts. These longings can be satisfied by earthly realizations of desire, but ultimately. We were built to long for Yahweh himself and will be satisfied only by the fullness of who he is. Early church, Father Augustine rightly said, Our hearts are made for you, O Lord, and they are restless until they rest in you. Let me read again. Our hearts are made for you, O Lord, and they are restless until they rest in you. Christian, there are good desires all around that God gives us But ultimately, all those things are supposed to create in us a longing for whom? For Him. He is the one that can satisfy our every desire. He's the creator. We are the created. Come to Him. Find that rest. Find the fulfillment of every desire in your Savior and Lord. Number five, the Lord is righteous and kind. Verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all His ways. He's kind in all his works. As David pointed out earlier, God is righteous, and that is something in verse 7 shows us that's something worth singing about. But he says he's not just, it's not just a song. It's, it's true, everything he does is just and right. But while justice is the direction of Jehovah God, while justice is his direction, we find that this just judge holds the gavel, but his hands That he holds the gavel in are kind. He's just and right, but his hands are kind. He's kind in all his works. The hands of God, though omnipotent, are strong, but yet soft to the touch. You ever met somebody who's unbelievably strong, but is just a teddy bear in reality? I remember my Uncle Pat was the strongest man I ever met before he passed with cancer a long time ago. He was a wrestler. Uh, in college was a beefy dude. And we would, he'd get on all fours. I remember Thanksgiving, he'd get on all fours and all of us kids would try to attack him and try to pin him down and he would whip us around like rag dolls. But Uncle Pat gave you a hug. It's like you got swallowed by a stuffed animal. It's warm. It's just, you You disappeared. Friend, God is omnipotent, but he's kind. He is just, yes, but he's kind. And when you run to his arms, like the prodigal son, realizing he's blown it time after time, what does he find? Where does he find the father? Arms open wide. Father, I have sinned. Shh, my son is home. He's home. Kill the fatted calf. Let's party. And it even says that in the King James. It says dance in there. Read it. Figure that one out. They danced to celebrate. But that was not what the son was happy about, was it? It was the embrace, the repentance given by the father. Friend, he is just. He is righteous. He is kind. He's kind in all, not some of his works in all his works. But what good is a kind, just God if he's distant and aloof, if God just spun the world into order and leaves us to be? That's why we see it so important, verse 18, that we understand the Lord is near. Verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord is near, friend. He is near. He's a whisper away. Call on him in truth. You are Jehovah God. You are Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Help me. Save me. Forgive me. He hears. Every time. Like the thief on the cross understood when he cried out, Lord, remember me. He found the Lord is near. What did Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Friend, if you're here and you do not know the saving grace of Jesus, you have to understand he is near. He will hear your call. He cries, he saves, it says he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry, he saves them. He can save you. For those of you that know Christ, perhaps you're down in the dumps and you wonder if he's near. Friend, he is near. He is near. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Don't be anxious for anything but everything with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known. God. Call out to Him. He can give you peace that passes all understanding. But know He is near. Even though you may not see it, He is near. Now is He near? He also preserves, number seven. Verse 20, the Lord preserves all who love Him. But all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. In the psalm, We've seen God's goodness and His his kindness. He's merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He's just. He's righteous. But we also see God makes a distinction in verse 20. The Lord preserves all those that love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. Those that oppose God, those that refuse His Son, those that refuse Jesus, the Christ, they will meet a bitter end. That's not a a high note. That's a somber note. But it's true. It's reality. Those that are a part of his family, he preserves. He protects. He sustains. Christian, God will protect. Preserve, sustain you. That gets us through 21 verses in a quick fashion. There's much more here. There's a lot you can mine in these verses, and I encourage you to go back and do so. But how should we respond? The word works. The word works is used five times in this psalm. That God works in a certain way. And we have to respond to, him, respond to him in this way because of his works. Also words like deeds also are in here. So just looking at the works of God, let me give you three ways in which we should respond to him because of who he is. His character causes him to act in a certain way. The Lord is gracious, slow anger, merciful, and bounding and steadfast love and is faithful to generations to come. Who he is determines what he does. So because of his works, what should we do first? We ought to declare his works. Look at verse number four. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. The older generation, the older generation, so if you're not sure if you're in the older generation, let's say you're not. If you know you are, then I'm speaking to you. The older generation is to pass on for generations to follow the praise of who God is and what he has done. You're to pass that on. So the question, senior saints, are you still, still doing this? Not, did you do this 15 years ago? Not, did you do this, well, I taught Sunday school for a long time, then it's my turn, and then I'm passing the baton. The command is for you Today. Are you still instilling in the generations to follow who God is and what he has done? This is for you. Mom and Dad, Aunt and Uncle, you're not off the hook. Are you passing on to generations that will follow you who God is and what he has done? In what way, mom and dad, are you instilling that into your home? Why bring him to church on Sunday? Praise the Lord tell me that's not it. Dad, tell me that's not it. You just show up to church on Sunday. Mom, tell me that's not it. Aunt and uncle, tell me that's not all you're doing. How are you helping to instill into the generations to follow, my God is great, my God is great. He does mighty works. Let me tell you the ways He's done it in my life. Teenagers, students, are you declaring the mighty acts of God to your friends and your classmates? I'm thankful for many of our WL students and some of our VMI when they get the opportunity who, who take the time to come back on Sunday and invest into our children in the Iwana program. They don't have to. There's a few college students in America that choose not to do that on Sunday night. I don't know if you knew that. The outliers are those that do show up. There's a lot they could be doing. A lot they could say, well, I got homework, I got this or that. But by God's grace, we've had some that say, I'm going to invest in generations to follow. I'm going to declare to them the good works of God. And it may, it's going to take my time. By God's grace, as a youth pastor of the years, I've seen high school students, so high schoolers, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade. I've seen high school students start looking around at children in the church and going, I'm going to invest into them. I'm going to find a kid that's four years younger than me. Find a kid that's seven years younger than me, and I'm going to ask them week after week, hey, what are you reading in your Bible? And let me tell you what God has taught me. And it changes the life of this little one. Many of you here would probably give testimony to, hey, when I was a, a kid, there was, a, there was a, this, this guy or this gal in high school, and they were like the big man on campus. And, and, but they talked to me, and they knew me, and they encouraged me in the Lord. Teenager, why aren't you that person? Children are not an inconvenience for you, and it may take your time, but let me tell you when you ask a little kid to read their Bible and you're going to show up next week and check on them, you better read yours too. It's one of the best things for you. Teens, look at me, teens, pick up your game. Teenagers, look at me, pick up your game. Invest into the next generation. Do not cruise through high school, saying, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm just showing up. Invest in the next generation. Next, we are to meditate on the works of God. Look at verse number five. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. David thought it wise, not just to state who God is, but to tell others, and not just to tell others who God is, but to think for himself, meditate who God is and what he's done. I'm going to meditate on your glorious majesty. Like in Psalm 1 where the blessed man meditates day and night on the word of the Lord, so too we find the blessed man also meditates on the character of God and the works of God. Just sit on it. Think through. Meditate on the work and character of God. That's what this text calls us to do. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will committing to do this i will meditate number three give praise to him verse number 10 all your works shall give thanks to you O lord and all your saints shall bless you over and over again in the psalm it talks about praising god everything god has made us everything god has made and he's made us to be is to praise him david says at the end of verse 10 that all the saints should bless god all his works will praise him remember in our scripture reading exodus 34 where God describes who he is, the Lord, the Lord, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Do you remember what Moses' reaction was in verse number eight? As soon as God said who he was, it says in verse number eight, and let me read it for you, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. You just hear who God is, The response is worship. That's the response. David says, all your works, all your works shall give thanks to you. And all your saints shall bless you. Christian, you are to give praise to him. So what does all this mean for us today? Let me ask you in conclusion here, for those of you that are here, and you don't know if you're a Christian, perhaps you're, you're unsure who Jesus is or what he's done, or maybe you you believe Jesus is the Christ, but you don't know what to do. They ask you a question. Is Jesus your God and King? Is Jesus your God and King? As David declares in verse number one, God is my God and King. We find out in verse number 20 that all that oppose the King, he will destroy. Friend, come to Christ today. He is, as we have seen, he's merciful. That's God keeping from you what you do not deserve. He's gracious. That's God giving to you what you do not deserve. He's loving. He's kind. Will you come to Him? Friend, Jesus died for you. As we'll see next week in baptism as a picture, He he died for you. He was buried. And as He was buried, He rose again from the dead after the third day, defeating sin, death, and hell. He ascended on high. He still lives today. intercedes on behalf of His own. For all that know Him, will you come to Him? Will you trust Him today? You can do so as we walk through the ABCs week after week. Would you, a, you, would you admit that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of God? Believe that He is who He said it is. So admit, sorry, that we are sinners. Believe, believe that Jesus is a Christ, and see, call, call in the name of the Lord. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. If you have questions on how to do that, please see a Christian friend. You came with. see myself, see another Christian here, and, and we'd love to walk you through that. If you're from WL or from VMI, see Mike or Wayne. They love to talk to you those that are here and claim to know Christ, let me ask you a few questions. You say, Jesus is my God and King. Let me ask you first, Christian, are you doing your part, are you doing your part to declare who God is and what He's done to others? Are you doing your part to declare who God is and what He's done to others? Share the good news of Jesus Christ. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go teach. Go tell who God is. Well, I don't know the, don't know the whole story. I don't know the whole Bible. Start with your story. What did Jesus do for you? Could you tell me how to use a vacuum? Could you? Walk me through the steps. You plug it in. Turn the on button. You step on it, and you move it back and forth. If you can describe that, Christian, you can tell other people what God has done for your soul. I, here's what I did. I, I, I don't know they're all the right words, but but I I, I knew I was I knew I was a sinner, and, and I knew he knew He's God, and I knew He'd forgive, and I and I, here's, I just prayed. Here's what I prayed. You can do that too save next in the the busyness of life Christian how often do you stop and meditate on God's work and character how often do you stop just to think about who he is and what he's done how often do you heed the command be still and know that I am God And how might God grow you in your faith, in your walk with Him, if you would just but stop and consider who He is? Number four, out of all the characteristics of God that we've covered in the psalm, and this psalm, which one is most encouraging to you? So out of all the ones we've covered today, the characteristics of God, which one is most encouraging to you? I encourage you, take that one today and think about it this week. He's merciful merciful he does not give me what i deserve dwell on it think of it lastly we are to praise god for who he is would you join me in praising god for who he is we're gonna do something we don't do this all the time we do something a little different um because i think it's good for us to do things that are different every now and then we're gonna spend time we're gonna pray so if you're family pray together if you're in a row with somebody else pray together if you're by yourself, I'm going to encourage you: do something really strange. Don't stay by yourself. Find somebody else and just pray and praise God. So I'm, look at the psalm. You can have one person pray for your entire group, but only spend the time to praise God through these attributes. After that, so music team, you stay on there. We'll sing a song. We'll sing how great is our God after there. We'll sing how great is our God. We'll sing. We'll let you guys go for first Sunday lunch. We'll pray. But let's take time right now. Praise God where you're at. So grab a couple, go. I will pray after that, and we'll sing, and we'll let you go. Ready, set, go.